0: Hi, for those who don't know me, my name is Dan. Um, I am a member of the preaching team here at Philida. I am also an elder, and uh, it is my privilege to bring the word of God to you today. Um, And uh, kind of a, I don't know why this happens. Matt, we need to discuss this at some point um, in the preaching team, but I seem to bookend serieses. Serieses, is that a word? It is now. Uh, so I started the uh, Not Just for Sunday School series, and now I'm ending the Sunday uh, Not Just for Sunday School series. And I think it's funny that we sent the kids away, because we're going to talk uh, about them today, actually. Um, so for those who sent me their uh, examples of what their children are like, we're going to talk about that now. I'm kidding. Uh, no, but we are going to be talking about children, and um, just the the amazing humans that they are and kind of our viewpoint of them. Uh, uh, many years ago, and it's come back a couple of times now, the show Kids Say the Darndest Things, I forget who the original host was, but it's, it popped up in the 80s, uh, for me, that I remember, popped up in the 80s, popped up in the 90s again, popped up in the early 2000s, and now it's you know here in the uh, 2020s now as well because kids say ridiculously funny things. Uh, or they ask ridiculous questions or they do anything um, It's just funny because they have no filter whatsoever. They, you, they get asked a question and they're just going to tell you honestly, or a question pops into their head and they just ask you an honest question. An example of this in my life, uh, I was hanging out with my daughter. She's seven, so that gives you context here. And uh, she asked me this all important question, very, very important high question from a child. She asked, I, had to, I wrote this down, and I want to quote it. Dad, if Pokemon were real, what's the third one you would have as a pet? <laughs> and this is an amazing question, because I've thought about it, <laughs> but I didn't think past number one. She's asking me for my third. She didn't start at one hey, what are your top three? No, it's like, hey, what's your third one? Which one would you choose third? And I don't, I'm not going to give you the answer if you want to talk about that later. We can. But how am I supposed to answer that as a dad? Like, okay, well, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know even why you're asking me for my third. Um, and that, parents, you know that's just the, tips of, the tip of the iceberg because there are so many more questions that get asked. Like, when are we eating dinner? Can I have a snack? 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 Can I get up now? Why do I go to bed? Ad nauseum, right? These questions all day we just get asked, and it reminds me, uh, in that vein, it reminds me of the movie Elf, uh, where you've got Buddy the Elf, who is human, but he thinks he's an elf, and he, um, Finds out he's got family down in New York City. So like any person does, they go to New York City. And he finds his family, and he's walking with his half-brother, and he's just asking him question after question. like, "It's like, uh, what would you do today? What would you learn in school today? I saw a dog. And kids are like this. So here we have a grown man in that movie. Buddy is a grown man. And he's asking these questions. And um, th- the thought comes to my mind is uh, when, when I get inundated with these questions, when my daughter asks these questions, when I come home, after a long, hard day of work, don't kids know that we adults work really stinking hard? I mean, I've had a long day. I have housework that I need to do. I have bills that I have to pay. I'm trying to catch up on sleep. I don't have time, necessarily, for the question from a short human who may or may not know what's going on in the world, but mostly doesn't. And I just get this attitude of you're below me, in terms of your your stuff isn't important. As an adult, I think we can all kind of hit that. And then I think to myself, oh man, this is terrible. Like all these questions being asked by kids. I'm an adult. I've got my filters, and I have to think, what happened? What happened to me? What happened to you guys? I'm going to make a safe assumption that most everybody in here was at one point or another a kid. <laughs> Good. All right. We're, we're all there. So we used to be kids, and somewhere between that point and right now, something happened to us. Something changed. And I don't know what the exact something was, but I think it was a very similar something happened to us. We were going through life, being a kid, Asking the the important questions of life, the important questions of life and some way, somehow the veil of innocence was removed from our face and we were slapped with a big old fat dose of reality of what life is being hard. And it, it did something to us. Real life happened and we just see it, it just went away. Maybe it happened suddenly for you. Maybe it happened gradually. But day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, decade by decade, we just stopped being childlike. We, stopped, we lost that innocence. Something left. And, and, it, and it's hard when you realize that, maybe for the first time. Or maybe it comes back again, and it's just, oh, I want that. And I know it affects men and women equally in the reality department. I can only speak as a guy. Because when life gets hard, what we get hit with after that, and it comes from various places and, and whatnot, but it's the idea of just suck it up and move on. And that's hard. And so we... We we build up these these uh, these walls and we get on with the the real business of life, working and making sure our, our homes are in order, our things our bills are getting paid. All this important stuff has to get done, so we do that. And it's in this idea of uh, that we're in now, of of working hard that I want us to use our imagination. My favorite thing to do when I preach a sermon is have you guys imagine with me. I want to take us back. Obviously, we're going first century. We always go first century in the area of uh, Palestine and Israel and that. We're at the Sea of Galilee, and you you work all day, six days a week. You're a fisherman. You're doing the thing, right? Six days, you get up, you catch the fish, you clean the fish, you sell the fish, you mend your nets, you go home, you sleep hard, you wake up, you do the same thing again, over and over. For six days, until the Sabbath comes, thank you, Yahweh, for that. You get that rest, and then you start it, again and again and again. And then, this is just going on, this is just what life is, you're with your friends, and then one day, this guy just shows up, you've you, you. know you've heard about him and whatnot, but he says to you, follow me. Okay, so you you leave everything where it is, and you follow him. As crazy as that is, and after being with him for a, a season, for a time, you get to find out there's something different about this guy. Oh man, this is this is the promised Messiah that I keep hearing about when I go to synagogue. This 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 is the guy. You see him do things. You see him perform miracles. You see him heal sick people. You see him feed five thousand people, which is just bananas. Because, you know, your buddy said, how are we supposed to feed him with all this little stuff? Next thing you know, you've got leftovers of 12 baskets, right? All these things. And, and you start walking around with him, and you notice something. Everywhere he goes, the same thing happens. You get a crowd of people surrounding him, just following this guy, Jesus, and, and you're learning from him, too, but, I mean, this crowd is huge. And do you know what comes with crowds? Do you guys know what comes with crowds? It's not corona. <laughs> what comes with crowds is weirdos. <laughs> the riffraff. Those people come with crowds. And now, I mean, because you're with Jesus, you have to keep an eye out for those people. You get the religious nuts in there, too. Right, trying to trick him and trap him with these weird questions that they've got. That you're like, I don't even know what you guys are talking about, but clearly you're out for Jesus. So you've got to keep your eye out for these people, and so it's in such a crowd that that we find ourselves in this story. That's where we're at. Um, speaking of these religious leaders, they've uh, they've come in. They've asked Jesus a question about. Um, divorce, and Jesus is teaching, he's answering them, and he's teaching, What you know, this whole thing, we're not going to touch that subject, we're going to touch what happens kind of in the middle of that, so uh, we're going to be in Mark 10, it'll be up on the screen, it'll, uh, you can grab a Bible, or you can just listen to the Word of God, that's an option as well, uh, so we're in Mark 10, we're going to be at uh, verse 13, so Jesus is in the middle of teaching, and this happens with the crowd, and they—those are were people—were bringing children to him, Jesus, that he might touch them. And the disciples, people we were just imagining we were, the disciples were rebuking them, "Go away." But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, "Let the little children or let the children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belong." The ki- belongs the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them into his arms and he blessed them, laying his hands on them. It's uh, it's not very often that as we read through the Gospels, uh, we see Jesus become. Indignant. It doesn't actually say the word there, but in this case, he becomes indignant. He gets, there's, there's a little bit of anger there, annoyance, like, uh, don't do that right there with uh, sending him away. Uh, let's work with the mindset of the disciples. What's going on? Jesus is an important person. He's teaching others right now. Your children, they have to wait. Jesus doesn't have time for this right at the moment. And we are in the middle of, like, he's refuting these guys and what they're saying. Just go away, come back tomorrow, maybe if we're here, right? So just take your children and go. And Jesus says some crazy stuff for that time. Let the little children come to me. Let them bring them. Go ahead, let them come in. And then he says something even wilder. The kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. In fact, he goes further and says, unless you have uh, unless you're like one of these, you can't, uh, uh, children, you can't even enter the kingdom of heaven. Yikes. That's some heavy stuff. And it begs the question then to me, how can I be childlike? How can I be childlike? I want to enter the kingdom of heaven. I want to be with God. Jesus is saying, okay, we're going to be childlike here, or you need to be childlike to enter. So this is the part of the sermon where uh, you get three alliterated points. They all start with the same letter. They're going to rhyme, and you're going to go, ooh, isn't Dan clever? (laughs) Except I'm not, because I didn't do that. I have six points. (laughs) And for the next hour and a half... No, I, I do have six points, but, um, three of them are just something that has helped me as an adult with that mindset that we talked about earlier of, of just being inundated with the world and what, how hard life is. Uh, there are just three little, Hey, here's some stuff. If it helps you, great. If it doesn't, let move on with it. But there are three that I want to get to that are, uh, biblically founded and how we can be childlike. But, um, These are uh, Dan's tips for being childlike um, just in general. So if it helps you, great. If it doesn't, don't worry about it. Uh, The first one, lighten up. These were given to me. I just want to point out that someone gave these to me personally because I needed to lighten up. Don't take everything so seriously. There There are serious things in life, so I'm not saying don't take anything seriously, but just lighten up. Uh, The second one is to go play. Go have fun. Kids play. Go ride a bike. Go play cards. Go hang out with your friends. Do something. Just loosen up that way. Uh, Play a board game. Uh, And then the third piece that someone gave me was ignore that person's opinion. That I needed to hear. So maybe someone in here needs to hear that. Uh, um, But just ignore that person. And you know who that person is. Um, Just ignore them. So there's that. If that helps, great. If not, don't worry about it. Um, but we do want to look at the question, how do we become childlike in such a way so that we can enter the kingdom of heaven because we want to uh, be with God? Uh, the first one, this is this is the hardest one. This is a tough one. Uh, and it's trust. Trust. The first thing we need to do to become childlike is to Trust God. Trust that he says who he says he is. And that's hard because when I was talking about the veil of innocence coming off and being slapped with reality, we get burned in life. We've gotten burned. We trusted someone and they didn't come through. Uh, I, in, in my mind this is how it works it's like I've got a, a, a bunch of cards of Dan's trust and I hand that card to someone maybe a couple three four people and they just they're like yeah whatever and they drop it or they throw it around they don't, they don't do anything with it and um, I, the trust is lost it's broken um, but I, I want to back up a little bit because I did miss this, this part I want to talk about have you noticed how children trust it is 100%, 100% trust. They, um, they assume things of those that they trust. My daughter assumes that we um, are going to have dinner that night. She assumes that we are going to be able to uh, go to bed in our house. She assumes uh, that she'll get to go outside and play eventually, but she trusts in me that these things are going to happen. There is that there. So when we read the Bible and we come across a passage like John 14, 1 and uh, Proverbs 5, we see these kind of things. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And then trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. What does your heart say when you hear those verses? What, when you read those types of verses, more often than I'd care to admit, when I see those verses and when I read them, uh, when they come to mind, my heart just goes, yeah, right, I, I, I don't know, maybe. Trust is hard, and why is, why is trust hard? This is why I find it's hard, because when I trust someone, I am giving them something, so in my mind it's I'm giving them this card, and once I let go of that card, I have absolutely no control what happens next? People, like I say, will, will it, it hurts. Some people follow through on that trust. You trust them and they, they come through on what they're going to say. Some people don't. And when this happens over and over again, when they don't, you're like, I'm just going to keep my cards. I'm not going to trust people because it hurts too much when it is broken. And now God's telling me I got to trust Him. I don't know. Trust is dependent entirely on the character of the person you are putting the trust into. Trust is dependent on the person you are putting that trust in. And Jesus is asking us to trust him. We can read our Bibles and we can see as God works through his people. We see that he is trustworthy. We see that he is faithful. We read in the gospel all of these accounts where God comes, or where Jesus comes through for the people he's, he's working uh, to save. We see where God works mightily on behalf of uh, Israel to just take them out of crazy circumstances. In this room, in this body of believers, I guarantee there are people who have stories where they have trusted God and God has come through for them even if it's he was with me in this really garbage situation. He didn't take the problem away, but man, he never left. He was here the whole time. That is trusting god he his character is impeccable he will not let you down and so we are called to trust in him to be childlike in that way means believing that god is good and we want to trust him because he has our best in mind he loves us so trust god because of who he is The second way we can be childlike and so uh, enter the kingdom of heaven is very much um, dependent on the first. And it's the idea of being receptive. Being receptive. We trust that God is good and that he is going to provide uh, for us. And so we need to Receive from him what he is giving. Whether it is uh, just a blessing from someone else to us, whether that's instruction, whether that's uh, correction. Uh, When we see 2 Timothy 3.16, it says that all scripture is God-breathed and uh, is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. So we know these things. Of God. So when um, when someone's teaching the Word, like it's happening now, when you are uh, in a Bible study or a small group setting, or just doing your own devotions, or uh, straight reading the Word of God, it it may not seem beneficial. At the, maybe it, sometimes it doesn't just seem beneficial in the moment, but it will always. It will always bring something. God is giving you something in that. Uh, What helps for me in this uh, idea of how is this a childlike behavior um, is is think about Christmas. Have you ever, for Christmas, given a small child a gift, or even just a child, doesn't matter, uh, a gift, say they get it and they're like, oh, sweet, a present. This for me? Awesome. I have enough toys, thanks. No kid does that. They take it. They open it. They enjoy it. They have fun with it. Just like that, God has given us things. He's given us people in our lives. Um, He's given us this body here. He's given us friends and other believers and other um, expressions of the body. Uh, So we need to be receptive to it. I know Tyler uh, preached about prayer a couple weeks back, and he was talking about the church praying for the release of Peter. And then Peter's released, and they don't believe it. Because, no, man, it's, it's a hairy situation. They weren't expecting it, right? So we need to uh, be expectant and receive what God is giving with the answers. And I would recommend listening to that sermon on prayer. It's really good. Um, so we need to receive that gift. We need to uh, accept it. If, if you're in a place and you've prayed, Oh, Father, God, I, just need, I need help in X tangible way. I just I need something and then your brother or sister provides that for you, see that as a gift from God, because that is an answer to prayer. I know, this is me speaking personally. I have prayed that type of a prayer. And then someone comes up and is like, hey man, I was thinking about you, thought you might need this. And I'm dumb enough to go, like I, this is the thing I need. And I'm going, oh no, that's cool, I, You know, I'm fine. I've rejected that, and that's not good. Uh, but there are other times where I have like, this is definitely God's answer to prayer. So we need to um, we need to receive what God is giving us. If it's instruction, if it's correction, man, those are though, that's rough. That can be hard, hard to hear things um, that 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 cut that need to be uh, need to be said. We need to receive those as well because God, right? It's contingent on the first one. We trust God because he is good and loves us. So we receive that correction and that instruction. Whether it comes directly from us reading or whether it comes from our brother uh, smacking us upside the head and uh, figuratively or literally and saying, hey, God would have you do this. So I think I've uh, beat that horse enough. Um, uh, let's recap again. So we, gotta, we have to trust in who God is. We have to be receptive to his gifts and his instructions. And the last one, uh, the childlike attitude that we need, uh, is by acceptance. We need to be childlike in acceptance. And I want to say it in this way. Uh, it's a matter of identity. It's a matter of who you are. This one is just as contingent on the first as the second one. We need to uh, take God at His word. We need to take God at His word because uh, of who God is. Because of who God is, I can believe Him when He tells me that I am His child. Because of who God is, I can believe Him when He says, I am his child. We need to accept that. First John 3, 1 John 3.1 See what love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. We need to accept that if we've placed our trust in him. One thing I never had to do when I was growing up was to be sat down by my parents and be persuaded by them through convincing argument that I am their child and that they love me. One thing I have never had to do with my daughter is sit her down and go, okay, listen, you're my daughter and here's the 14 reasons why. I've never had to do that. She accepts, I accepted that I am my parents' child. Autumn accepts that she is my child and Cindy's child. And yet, I I don't have to convince her. I didn't need to be convinced. Yet, as I look at my relationship to God, I do that. I ask for that. I look at God and I see this verse, you know, with what kind of uh, love he's just throwing us. He's calling us his kids, his children. And and I look at him and I'm like, oh, that's cool. Can you prove it, please? (laughs) Prove it. And I love how gracious God is. I love how gracious he is. Because he then proves it. I say prove it God and he says okay Corinthians 121 And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds he has now as Jesus has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him the father Okay that's cool, God. I still need proof. I need you to prove it. And graciously, lovingly, he says, okay. And he says this. I think I missed a first up there. But God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, while we were continually sinning, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have uh, have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, we are now brought back in, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. We are brought in to the family. We are brought into the family. Okay, God. I... I still need you to prove it. And graciously, lovingly, he decides, okay, I'll prove it. And we go to Ephesians. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, that's Jesus, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. To the praise of his glory. I ask God for proof that I am his child. And he says, I brought you in through the death and resurrection of my son. I've forgiven your sins. I've sealed you with the Holy Spirit. As a believer, catch that. God is with you. That's insane, but that's what it is. So in these scriptures, we see God the Father through his son, uh, his son's death and resurrection, bring us back to himself. He's given us the Holy Spirit to dwell within us as the guarantee that he is with us and that we are with him. And he's our counselor. I didn't read the verse on this one, but he is our counselor until such a time that Jesus comes back. I said it before. I'll say it again. I am dense. I forget this. I forget that this is what the creator of the universe has done to bring me back to himself after we sinned, after I sinned. He did all this. And then I read that verse again. See what love the Father has given to us that we are called his children. And I need to accept that. That this God who is good, who gives good gifts, who gives good instruction, who gives good correction, is calling me his child, I just need to rest in that. I don't see my daughter (coughs) wondering at night or throughout the day if she is really my daughter. I just don't but I do this with God. Maybe you do as well. But we have to have this this childlike acceptance. right? So we need to trust that God says who he says he is. We need to be receptive of his gifts uh, and instruction. And we need to accept that he is who he says we are if we have trusted in him. That's how you... Enter the kingdom of heaven with that childlike faith. I want to end on uh, one more thing in case you're like me and you're like, prove it. <laughs> prove it. What if God changes his mind? It's, we're human. We think that way. It's okay to express that we think that way. Um, I want to go into Romans 8. Maybe you're familiar with that passage, maybe you're not. Paul has just gone through and explained the future glory that we're going to have, and he starts off with this wonderfully rhetorical question. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, this God who we can trust is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? For I am sure, Paul says, for I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come, that's poignant for today, nor things present nor to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you if. If you trust God, if you had said, Jesus, you are how I am made right with the Father, and I can come into the Father, and I am part of the family, you can be sure that you are part of the family. Nothing will separate you from the love of God. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you are trustworthy. I thank you that you, uh, Jesus, have have made a way for us to be uh, right, that we can come to the Father through you. I thank you for the spirit that you have and dwell each one of us as believers. Father, if there are those here who have not come to that place, to see you as trustworthy. Father, I pray that you would, through your spirit, shake them, wake them up to who you are, that you are trustworthy. That just because life is hard, that does not mean that you do not care. Draw them into yourself. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.